Hello, and welcome to No Sleep. I am your host, Natiana Rochelle, and tonight is our special program in honor of the 9-11 victims, survivors, and their families. I have on here with me Norvell, Shandrea, Calvin, and our special guest, Mr. John Enright, who is a former, former investigator with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the former director of counterterrorism with the U.S. Department of Justice. So I just want to start by saying this is definitely um, an impactful day that everyone would definitely remember. It's um, touched our hearts definitely for everybody. You know, 18 years ago on this day, we all remember the tragic events that took place that resulted in the U.S. attitudes and concerns about safety, privacy, and the economy shifting. So before we talk about that, I just want to get into everybody. What is everyone's opinion like? How did 9-11 affect you where you were at this time? And what are your feelings and thoughts on it from back then and still today? I can start, Atiana. Um, 9-11 for me, just to be honest, uh, at the time or the year that it happened, I was pretty young. I think I was in sixth or seventh grade. And at the time, it didn't hit me. I just knew something really bad had happened. And uh, as I got older and really understood, after we started having memorial service and, and really started to understand the loss that people, you know, took that day, uh, it really started to hit me. So um, 9-11 has, you know, really been impactful for me over the years as I've gotten older and realized how much of a hit it was to the United States and just for people in general, you know, the human race. So that's that's pretty much my take on it. I can go next. Um like Norvell, I was in the sixth grade when it happened, and I didn't know what was going on, of course. Like, um, class had just gotten started, and we had a news program that used to play every day called Channel One. And I believe we were all like heading to class and getting ready to, like, getting ready for our morning student news when all of our teachers started getting together and people were just crying everywhere. And it was like, instead of having that, our usual programming on the news, we had like the images, of course, that you were seeing on the news across the world of the Twin Towers being hit. And I couldn't, at 12, you know, I didn't have an understanding about politics. I was going to social studies when all of this took place. So I was even in the beginning of learning about, you know, the relations between different countries. So I couldn't piece together what was happening. I wasn't at an age where I could understand. I just knew that something tragic had happened, that a lot of people were hurt, and that it was going to have a much larger impact that would last beyond just that single day. And so, like Norvell said, as I got older, I started to learn more about it and see just the different domestic and um, diplomatic relations that went into, you know, kind of the climate that led up to the events happening and just seeing how one people rallied together, but on the other hand, it also caused like a lot of problems for many people. 
of the Muslim community who were like shunned and feared for their lives because they didn't want people to assume that every person of that faith or that identity had had those views or wanted to cause harm. And so as I got older, I learned just so much about the United States as a country and how other countries view us. And that's pretty much my take on it. Um, well, as for me, um, as for me, I wasn't alive. I was alive then. However, I was only two years old. Um, so I only saw the after effects and being taught about the the whole event of 9-11. And it was quite interesting for me because um, I saw what people went through, and I'm seeing the effects afterwards is now um, all of the workers announced they're trying to get benefits uh, from the government. Um, so when it comes to my perspective on it, I'm being taught of what happened because I was only two years old. So I see documentaries all the time, and it, it's it's just enlightening to me that something that tragic could happen to where every day we honor it on, you know, 9-11. I can definitely relate to all you guys. I was only four years old. So, yeah, for me, I didn't really understand what was going on at the time. It wasn't until I got older that I started learning more about the effects and what actually really happened and what took place. So a lot has did happen on 9-11, you know, as we all know. Um, the Islamic extremist group, Al-Qaeda, they hijacked four planes and carried out suicide attacks against the United States. You know, two planes were flown into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York. Another plane hit the Pentagon outside of D.C. And then the last plane crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. And just seeing all the images and the videos just depicting what happened, you know, it's horrifying, but it's also really sad and devastating to see everything that went on, a lot of people losing their lives people losing families, people jumping out the buildings and everything like that. So I just want to know how you feel 9-11 impacted the world and how it also still impacts the world and, and affects the world today and, like, your worldviews and everything of the United States as a whole. I, I think 9-11 oh, – go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say 9-11 kind of put terrorism on the, on the map for me. You know, when you were younger, you showed it from a lot of world problems and – I didn't know what terrorism was until 9-11. And uh, just to be honest, it kind of created like this stigma or unconscious bias about the Middle East and, you know, them having such bad blood with the United States. And that's where all terrorists originate from. And, you know, I was kind of a, a victim of that that unconscious bias, to be honest, uh, younger growing up. Um, but I, I think 9-11 definitely put terrorism on the map for me yeah the same for me as well I didn't I mean of course I was 12 and nothing like that had happened during my lifetime that I could have understood so I accumulated this whole new understanding like wow there are people who don't like us as a country there are people who think we do bad things like up until that point I had just you know going through school just been your regular average American child oblivious to, you know, anything that doesn't involve me as most children are. And it really shaped my perspective of the country. It made that was when I believe I first started wanting to know more 
about my country and why someone would even have a view of us that would lead them to commit such an atrocity. And because of that, I think that kind of in a way like jump-started my career in public service and wanting to help people and knowing, you know, what, what I can do to make sure that nobody lives a life where they feel they have to be this violent or go against, you know, anything of this, do anything of that kind of magnitude. And on top of that, just, you know, like I said, just seeing us in the context of the world and wanting to do better as, you know, a citizen and also just as a human being and a person who is a part of the world and understanding other people and other cultures so that, you know, you're less prone to those unconscious biases that we all have and are all capable of getting and you know no I agree with both of you um especially when you're saying you know unconscious unconscious bias because a lot of us did do that and we did shun out you know um the Muslim community and so as a whole we can kind of say they were victims too a lot of them, them were victims too because they went through a lot of people you know shutting them out or not talking to them or being fearful of them because of what happened in 911 but Calvin what do you think what is your overall view so I want to hear from you um i just think that when we look at the whole thing i think um that idea defined what we think about about terrorism However, I think when we paint that narrative, the Muslim community is the is the community that's probably affected the most. And then as we see as time progress, um, the media portrays what a terrorist looks like instead of actually mm-hmm. um, instead of actually you know defining having a clear definition instead of looking at just a religion or nationality. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that because. There, as you look into like our history as a country, we've had that that wasn't the first act of terrorism that we had on our soil, but it's certain things that they don't teach that way or they don't label it that way. They put a brown foreign language speaking faith to terrorism, or you know it's just there there are other things. That that also go on But they don't get the same You know blowback As that whole community Received for that day Yeah terrorists come in All different shapes and sizes There's American terrorists Mm -hmm. I think people Kind of overlook that From time to time Yeah that is so true Um, I do want to know from you guys also How did your Like overview of just safety and privacy and just the economy overall. How did you how do you feel nine eleven affected all of those things and your views of those things? Um well I definitely think that it affected just America America in general, um, when it comes to privacy now that um legally now the government can actually listen into your conversations if you say a few keywords. So mm-hmm. I think it takes the I think it takes the way of like just a person's general privacy and all, because if you say anything um, online or anything, you're on you're on their list that they have, 
um, to, you know, keep watching, make sure that, you know, those words don't spar up, you know, an actual act of terrorism. Um, so I think it just took the whole idea of that you're a private citizen in America. Now pretty much everything is made public. Yeah, the idea of privacy definitely shifted after that because I know that surveillance didn't begin at 9-11, but our knowledge that now the government had permission to go in and access anything, like, that kicked in. We we knew that we didn't have the same freedoms of privacy because of that event. And as far as safety goes, I believe when I was a kid, like, around the time that it happened, I was afraid. Like, I something bad happened and all the adults were talking about how we were going to go to war and how more things could continue to happen so as a as a 11 or 12 year old I was terrified at night hoping like oh I hope you know I hope the war doesn't happen here because in my mind they would come to small Little Rock Arkansas like that that's where they would be looking and so that is where I think the whole safety thing kind of got to me the most. But as I've come into adulthood, I've had, even though, you know, they're, they're televised a lot more and you see, you see things happening in other countries like in London and in France and, you know, all this stuff still, it still happens. It's not to the same magnitude, but the, the likelihood of something of, of an act of terrorism happening isn't, you know, as far-fetched as we once thought it was or, well, yeah, as we thought it was before September 11th. Yeah, I don't know if people really, I want to say it really hit people right up front because this isn't the the first time uh, the World Trade Center was, was bombed or there was an act of terrorism. I believe it was like 1993 that uh, the same attempt to bring down those towers was made, uh, even though it was unsuccessful. So people lost their lives, and um, I'm not sure if that caused the government to raise their security or, or anything like that, but you know, I was completely oblivious to uh, that uh, act of terrorism or, or attempt to take down the World Trade Center. But I think a lot of people didn't know about that. And for, you know, 9-11 to happen, it's kind of crazy that, you know, they tried to do the same thing again and, and succeeded. It's just it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely true. You know, I would say my views on that, um, because I liked to, I was nosy and I listened to a lot of people's conversations, I was afraid because of, of what they were saying, because they were afraid. You know, just like mm-hmm. Shandrea was saying, I was afraid that war was going to happen and that more um, – plane attacks or bombings or anything was going to happen. I was just so afraid for my life, for my family's life, for everyone's life. It's just, it was crazy. But, yeah, I do agree with everyone that safety and privacy, I'm not going to say it just locked down even more because of that because I feel like that was already something the government was already doing and working on. But I would mm-hmm. say that because of 9-11, it did get more extraneous, I would say. But we are going to go on a quick commercial break. You are listening to No Sleep on the CWR Talk Network, and this is our special program in honor of 9-11 victims, survivors, and their families. After the break, we are going to talk to our special guest, Mr. John Enright, 
And you can call with your comments or questions about 9-11 for our guests at 563-999-3660. We'll return after this. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. I was born on 9/11, September 11, 2000. 3:39 in the morning. Three in the morning. My name is Hillary. I was born, I think, somewhere around two o'clock in the afternoon on September 11th, 2001, in Norwalk Hospital. I know a lot of people who go to my school and lost their parents or other family members in 9-11. I would hope people can realize how much the world has grown, how things can transform. I like looking for the best in things. If we all do good deeds on 9-11, it'll add up. Doing something good makes me realize I have the power to change things and that there's really nothing stopping me. It's sort of become a part of who I am. I was born on 9-11. This 9-11 day, remember to do one good deed. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. People been saying to your friends, get a different face. And posting on their feed, they're super. being bullied online, you can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I remember a real sense of community. People just were taking care of each other. Everybody was pitching in. It was an extraordinary moment of connectedness. I remember the ashes coming down from the sky just like um, snow. People were calling me and telling me to turn on the Television. I remember in a boot camp, not knowing what was going to happen. I remember people reaching out. Sharing food, sharing thoughts, sharing their time, their talent. It wasn't just a New York thing. It was our family that's kind of been hurt. We just all banded together. It didn't matter who you are or what you came from. You just wanted to do something. That's what I remember. On this September 11th, I will remember by giving blood at a blood bank. I will raise awareness for our disabled veterans. I will go to a policeman or a fireman and say thank you. I will be a better neighbor. I will volunteer at the rec center. I will volunteer at my church. I will help somebody build a house. I will find a way to help someone become more literate. Help children with autism. Donate clothes. Kiss my wife. Do my toys. Plant a tree. Send care packages to troops overseas. I will. I will. I will. I will always remember. If we share our love and our time, we can make a difference. What will you do this September 11th?
listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. Welcome back to No Sleep in our special program in honor of 9-11 victims, survivors, and their families. So as I mentioned before, we have a special guest, Mr. John Enright, who was a former investigator with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, the former director of counterterrorism with the U.S. Department of Justice, and he was also a U.S. Secret Service agent. Mr. Enright, how are you? Good evening. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. So I just want to start by just asking you, can you tell us the role of the Department of Homeland Security first, for those yes. who don't know? Well, basically, um, when it was formed, it was formed obviously after 9-11, and its its main function is to protect the country from the varied different attacks that could happen to us uh, as we saw in 9-11. Uh, you know, not only including attacks from the air and uh, compromising our, you know, our um, airline situation in this country, but but also other things such as bioterrorism, uh, chemical uh, warfare, um, computer and cybersecurity issues, things of that sort. And instead of having different agencies all having a part in it, and you know, for certain different areas of their jurisdiction, it brought all of the agencies together and has now coordinated a um, directorate that will focus on strictly on the protection of this country from these types of attacks. And what different agencies comprise of the Homeland Security, and how exactly are they supposed to keep Americans, well, everybody safe? Well, that's a, uh, a large question there, For but there are 22 different agencies, organizations within the Department of Homeland Security to include uh, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, Customs and Border Protection, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, TSA, United States Coast Guard, uh, the United States Secret Service, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, the Federal Protective Service, Citizenship and Immigration Services, Domestic Nuclear Detection Office, um, the Office of Civil Rights and Civil Liberties, um, Office of Intelligence, Office of Legislative Affairs. And as you can see, as I go down this list, it covers a pretty much of a wide swath of different um, threats that we might um, encounter as a, as, a, as a country. And it brings them all under the one umbrella of, of the Department of Homeland Security. Hi, Mr. Enright. This is Shandria. My question for you is, given your knowledge of national security and all of the multitude of roles that you've served in, do you feel that millennials or really anyone should have any concerns about the future as far as terrorist attacks of a September 11th magnitude, especially given the climate that we're currently in? I absolutely do uh, think that everybody should be concerned about any future attacks that could occur. And, you know, of course, we look at it in the uh, realm of what happened on September 11th, 2001, where, you know, airlines airlines flew into buildings, flew into the Pentagon, you know, went down in uh, Pennsylvania. We look at it in 
in those eyes, but that's probably not the way it's going to happen the next time because we've hardened ourselves to that. Um, but I think as we found out from 9-11, as we looked back and investigated the incident, I guess investigated the players and the countries involved in this, we find that these countries and these individual terrorist organizations had been planning attacks for years against us and were just very, very, very patient as to when the best time would be to carry it out. In fact, um, somebody mentioned the 1993 terrorist bombing at the World Trade Center in New York City that occurred uh, where only seven people were killed, um, and there was some damage and, and injuries uh, other than those seven that, that were killed. But one of the players in that uh, event promised that they would be back, and sure enough, eight years later, they did come back. Just because we've, we're 18 years out now from the last one doesn't mean that these folks are not planning to come back at us again. And I can't emphasize that more, that um, these organizations, these terrorist organizations, whether they're in Afghanistan represented by the Taliban or represented by al-Qaeda, uh, the organizations in Tehran and Iran and Iraq, um, these countries and some of these uh, terrorist organizations that are embedded in these countries hate America, and we have to keep that in mind as we go forward as a, as a, as a country and, and not let down our guard. Fortunately, in 18 years, we've not been attacked, but the things that most uh, worry me are the new, newer attacks that, that could come to us, such as bioterrorism or chemical, chemical weapons, weapons of mass destruction, that you know, if, um, if managed right by these terrorist organizations, could in fact uh, get into this country and um, level another attack against us, albeit in a different way. Well, I, I kind of got a question for you. So, seeing that we have all of these, all these extra, I would say, more attacks coming from different types of weapons. So, how how was how, how are you guys staying up to date with technology since we all will constantly always be hated or attacks planned against our country? That's that's exactly why the Department of Homeland Security was created, so we could stay okay. abreast of all of these new things that, that have come about. The research and development of uh, countermeasures, the research and development to find out what is out there, what people are doing, what what threats exist, um, the intelligence uh, capability of this country, as I believe, has has grown exponentially to what happened on 9/11. So as a as a uh, result of what did happen on 9/11. We have begun protecting the country like it's never been protected before by doing the appropriate R&D, by doing, taking the appropriate measures to protect us, whether it be, be at airports, whether it be at our borders, um, or, or within in our country internally in, in, uh, in any one of the 50 states that, uh, that has a, a, an issue with these things. So I, I really think that we've, and just for, by the fact that we haven't been attacked, and it has been 18 years, we have uncovered plots and people have been arrested and terrorist organizations have been uncovered. Uh, so I, I believe that the country, I don't want to say that we don't have anything to worry about, but I believe that we're doing everything um, through the Department of Homeland Security and the other organizations outside, such as the FBI and the CIA and other law enforcement organizations to protect this country as well as we can. John, what are some ways that uh, us as Americans can be more proactive in these acts of terrorism? 
Well, I, I, I would I would say, um, and this is very very much what we found out after nine eleven that the nineteen or twenty terrorists that got on these planes that day and attacked the country, they were living, breathing, and operating in our communities around the country. Um, some of them came across law enforcement's um, view for like traffic tickets, um, minor uh, misdemeanor charges, things of that sort. Um, some of them came into the country illegally. Uh, there were there were issues and incidents where um, we we had agencies tracking some um, individuals, and but not telling other agencies, so they didn't know to look for them. So, but I think we always emphasize this after 9/11, is that the battle starts right on right in your community, right with the local police departments to observe. And if you observe anything that's unusual or doesn't make sense in your community, it's the saying that we've been using for a number of years now, see something, say something. Whether it's your local police, whether it's somebody in the community, whether it's a federal agency that you need to contact, no matter what, if it's bothering you, let us know and, you know, we'll look into it. So I think that's about the best anybody can do. You can't expect anybody else to... Um, you know, lift mountains and um, tall buildings and things of that sort. But I think what we can expect each each and every one of us is to just be vigilant and to pay attention and to to watch for these things in our communities. Well, since we didn't really touch bases on it earlier, I do want to ask you, how do you feel 9-11 affected the U.S. economy and how do you feel it still is affecting the U.S. economy? Well, you know, I'm not a I'm not a, uh, an economist. I do know that um, after 9/11, uh, the next six or seven years down the road, uh, towards the end of um, the Bush presidency, and I'm not singling out President Bush for this problem, but the country almost, you know, we went through a, a very very significant recession. I don't think that was a cause from I don't think that was a cause of 9/11. Some people might want to think, point towards that, but I think it was just a, a normal course of business with the economy that, um, you know, we, we suffered this severe uh, recession. I do think that the budget of our um, of our country has grown exponentially with the threat that um, has occurred since 9/11 to protect us. But as a as a factor of affecting the economy one way or the other. I don't believe it has. I think it's just something as a matter of course of doing business. It's like any other time in our history when we went to war and had to put troops overseas, as as late as the the war in Iraq back in the first Bush presidency. I mean, that, that does cause budgets to increase in the military, tax increases possibly to support those wars. So, but I can't I can't put my finger on any specific. Um, effect that any of this has had on the economy. Okay, I understand that. Um, so there have been attempted attacks that have <clears throat> been prevented that we hear about in the news. So in the interest Correct. of national security, are there other attempts that DHS has prevented that we do not hear about? And should Americans feel good about the job that DHS is doing? I, I think Americans should feel very good about the FBI and the DHS and, and other law enforcement uh, organizations that support this country 
in, in, uh, when you were talking about investigating terrorism. We have heard numerous times about uh, different plots being foiled by the FBI and Homeland Security. And I, I'm sure there are other situations that have occurred that the country had, just has not been told about, uh, whether it's for um, you know re- reasons to um, not affect the investigation or um, identification of different individuals who were involved in something um, coming at this country. But what I do think is I, I do agree that the Homeland the Department of Homeland Security as well as the FBI has really um, grown up um, in this era in this era of terrorism to really face the face down these terrorists that are trying to attack our country. Does anyone have any more questions for Mr. Enright before we go to another commercial break? Yeah, sure. I have one quick question. John, you spoke earlier about how Americans can get involved in being proactive with, you know, terrorist attacks and, and terrorism on our soil. Uh, you spoke about, you know, people getting involved in, in the starting in, in our communities. Uh, don't you think that that could be kind of like a double-edged sword? I think uh, we spoke earlier about kind of like the unconscious bias that was created from 9-11 and hostility that was created in America towards Muslim communities because of 9-11. And I think that that type of, I guess, go out and do this in your own communities really drives home that that uh, unconscious bias towards Muslim communities, and they may not be terrorists at all. Well, so, you know what? I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up that point because that's not where I was going with it, and I might have been a little bit too general about it. During prior to, prior to 9/11, and and when we when we spot suspicious activity in our communities. I'm not talking about suspicious Middle Eastern um, actors or of any other race or ethnic origin. What we're talking about is just suspicious act- the activity, not so much the people that are doing it. So, for instance, um, prior to 9-11, three or four of the uh, attackers were living in a apartment complex down in uh, Florida, and during that time, this is and this is this is like nine months prior to this happening. During their time there, the maids and um, other service workers just were noticing that these individuals were not acting normally. For instance, they would they would refuse all kinds of maid service. People never got into the apartments to do the appropriate, um, possibly painting, repair of. Um, plumbing, things of that sort, and they were just turned away. And people were actually suspicious of what was going on with these folks, not because of the way they looked, but because of the way they acted. And that's more or less what I'm talking about. And we've talked uh, over the course of my career, even prior to 9-11, we used to uh, work with police departments on a daily basis uh, with our, when I was with Secret Service. And one of the things we always emphasized with them, especially if we had a protective movement going on or something along those lines, was that if there's anything that comes to your attention in your community that doesn't feel right, not even see right, but doesn't feel right, we really would like to know about it just to just to make sure that it isn't something that could be a problem to us. So it's not so much identifying uh, somebody by the color of their skin or by their ethnic origin, it's more or less their behavior. 
And that's really what I was talking about. And we're not trying to turn the country into a police uh, police force. Not trying to uh, have people out there just calling the police. Uh, I saw somebody that I didn't uh, I didn't know in my community, and uh, they were doing this, that, or the other thing. It's not about that. It's just about that over a period of time, you sense some suspiciousness on the part of the behavior of somebody that is in your community that just doesn't feel right. And that's pretty much what I was talking about. Yeah, thanks for that clarification, John. I appreciate that. Sure. You're welcome. I also have a quick question. Um, we, sure. uh, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, how we've become more vigilant and how we should become more vigilant, not just, you know, as far as our homeland security or our national security agencies are concerned, but also within our own communities as well to try to stave off some of these events. But during the process of a lot of this, some agencies like have been like the TSA has been accused of like a lot of discriminatory practices and security theater. And it's like some people have the opinion that they, that some agencies don't really prevent the terrorist attacks that instead they kind of cause more harm by some of the, discretionary practices that they use when doing extra security checks or searches or, you know, detaining people because they don't believe that they are who they are even after they presented different, several different documents to them proving that. And, you know, it's just been a lot of controversy around some of the, the way that security was vamped up after that too. What are your thoughts on how the protections may or may not outweigh some of the downsides to this. Well, I I can tell you that um, TSA, like all agencies, like all police departments, like all law enforcement and security agencies across the country, uh, they employed people, and it's the human nature factor that that comes in. And, you know, I, I I would say that, um, and, and I'm just going to throw out some figures here because I'm familiar with the TSA. Um, I would I would say 90% of their workforce, which is a very large workforce, are you know intent on going by procedures and policies and regulations set up to interject and to intercede on people that might be trying to get on a flight that with the terrorist um, intent. Uh, there have been incidents. There have been issues um, along since TSA has been created where um, people have questioned that they're stopping people because of their, the color of their skin, their ethnic origin, the way they look, uh, you know, for a host of different reasons. Um, and some of those things have proven to be, uh, to be, be true. But overall, I mean, we're in a, we're in a country of imperfect people. But overall, I believe that they have um, done the right thing as far as their procedures and policies and regulations. And having been an investigator in Department of Homeland Security and looked at some of these incidents, sure, we have found we have found where people have identified, have interceded with, and stopped people and have conducted searches 
based on um, their ethnic origin or the color of their skin. We have, there's no doubt that that has occurred. But many, in many cases, what we have found also is that um, they stop people for good reason. And, you know, uh, whether it was some kind of behavior that they were exhibiting while they were in line, um, whether it was something they were carrying in one of their suitcases that was identified as it went, th- went through the line, or for a, a, you know a number of other host of uh, you know issues, TSA is a, um, it's a it's a huge organization that is populated by a lot of dedicated individuals that aren't looking to make more work for themselves, but what they are looking to do is to identify people that might be trying to get on uh, on, on airplanes to do what was done on 9/11, and they have we have found with the, the if you just look at the statistics of what has been um, seized at different checkpoints from firearms, from knives, and things of that sort that can be taken on a plane and used to um, uh, threaten or overtake a cockpit. I mean, I think you'd be pretty impressed by it. But and not to diminish what your point was, uh, that has happened. There has been – we have seen evidence of prejudice, and we have seen – uh, evidence of uh, racial profiling, but I don't believe it's at the uh, level where we need to be concerned as a country. I think we need to be constantly monitoring it, but I don't think it's it's something that's really taken over the checkpoints at our airports. I hope that answers your question. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. I want to thank you, Mr. Enright, for all your insight and your knowledge of this day. So we are going to take no, a you, quick commercial break. I'm sorry. We're going no, to take a you, quick commercial need, break. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, do you need me to hold on or are we done? Yes, if you would, please. Commercial break. You're listening to these. CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag One Million Strong. Hey, listen, I'm Steve Harvey. As we approach the anniversary of 9-11, I hope you'll join me and millions of others around the world who will be paying tribute this 9-11 by dedicating time to performing good deeds that help others in need for 9-11. I'll be supporting my charity, the Stephen Marjorie Harvey Foundation, and its continuing work to help foster excellence in urban and ethnically diverse communities. What will you do for 9-11 this year? Visit 911day.org today. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor Middle School? Would you like directions? No, why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Home walk restaurant need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, good. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet, fingerling, Yukon gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues. 
designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by Understood.org and the Ad Council. 9-11 Day actually started in 2002, soon after the attacks on our nation. Eventually it became the nation's largest annual day of charitable engagement. In the immediate aftermath of the attacks, what was so remarkable to me was the way the country came together in this incredible spirit of unity where everybody was helping each other. Tens of millions of people marked the day by doing good deeds in honor of those who perished and those who rose in service, but also as a positive path forward. Today we're aboard the Intrepid on the Hudson River in New York City, but we're also expanding this year into Phoenix, L.A., and San Francisco. And so all told, we'll pack 1.7 million meals for Food Challenge people in those four markets, and that'll be done by more than 8,000 volunteers. So it's a really remarkable sort of melting pot of volunteers that are here to demonstrate the importance of togetherness. We're pushing back against those who really attacked our way of life. Ultimately, our objective is to take this day of evil, 9-11, and turn it into a day of good and encourage people to remember 9-11 every year by doing good deeds that help others in need. We encourage people all the time to make their first stop our website, 911day.org. You can find volunteer opportunities in your own community and lots of other resources. There's just so many sort of little good deeds that we want people to do, and that's how we think you change the world one good deed at a time. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network. Hashtag one million strong. And we are back. Welcome back to No Sleep and our special program in honor of 9-11 victims, survivors, and their families. I still have on the line Mr. John Enright. And I just want to get any closing comments from you or concerns that you still may have. I wasn't sure if that question was for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir, it was. (laughs) Well, my my, uh, my, my concern is that um, after after 9-11, I can tell you that um, I retired from the Secret Service and took a position with the Department of Justice, um, as mentioned in my resume. And... What I found as the years started to pile up as we got past 9-11, we did start to drop our guard a bit, and uh, at least on the local level. I can't say that on the national level, but at least on the local level. And my concern always is when I see about when I see incidents uh, documented in the press, or um, you know, um, I see discussions in the news regarding. Um, different events that might be affecting our country, I always get the sense that we might be diminishing the threat that we have, we still have from domestic, from uh, international terrorism because of the onslaught of domestic terrorism in this country. And as much as we start to focus on the domestic terrorism and um, we start to focus on the gun issue in this country, I also feel that we start to forget about what really hurt us also back on 9-11 and I, I think it's a very difficult um, 
thing for law enforcement officers, for agencies, for intelligence analysts, for anybody involved in the problem to maintain a vigilance sometimes that uh, will encompass all of the different threats, whether it be international or or domestic. And I think we have to spend an equal amount of time and uh, all of our resources on both and not try to compartmentalize it. I definitely agree with you. I want to thank you so much for being our guest today and for answering all of our questions and everything. You're quite welcome, and I enjoyed being on, and thank you very much, and uh, good luck. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Okay, goodbye now. So wrapping up the show, I just want to know if any of you guys do anything special for 9-11. I know we're all young, and we don't. We said we really don't remember exactly what happened on that day, but I just want to know, you know, as growing up and everything like that, is there anything special you took part in, part in whether it's community service or just helping anybody or anything like that? I did speak about uh, 9-11 at work a little bit today, um, just as a, a way to, you know, take some time out of the day and really remember uh, the victims of 9-11, but I try and you know, do good things every day. Uh, we shouldn't wait until 9-11 to want to do some things uh, in remembrance of, of those fallen um, U.S. citizens and Americans. I think we should, you know, really try and do some things day to day. But uh, I definitely did speak to my team and, and some of my coworkers about uh, 9-11. Yeah, I haven't. I can't say that I've ever done anything particular in remembrance of the day. But as Norvell said, like, I try to live a life on a daily basis that's about doing good things and broadening my understanding of myself as an American as well as myself as just a global citizen. And, like, it's a part of my career. It's a part of my research. Every day I'm just looking to see what I can do to help improve the quality of life for people so that, even though we might have these fears, we can live life day to day feeling better or having better access to things or, you know, or trying to tap into the international realm and be able to, you know, get into positions where my position has influence over what people feel about our country and being able to make relations different so that it isn't, it's just not as much of a threat and just moving our world and community by community to a place to where, you know, we can be more cohesive and more understanding to where we can minimize these threats because as human beings, we care about each other's lives more than, we care about doing something so harmful to so many people. Um, and I think for me, it's just um, making sure that I educate the masses and really tell the true narrative of what happened and make sure that you do remember the people that died as well as the people that put their lives online and help get the people out. Because I think the narrative that we often forget is, yes, those, you know, people did die and, you know, we, we, um, we memorialize their lives, but let's keep remembering the fact that people, to put their lives and save those people, and some of them are still being treated like they didn't serve this country in the time of need, and they're still fighting mm-hmm. for basic necessities. 
So I think we should focus it too on them too when we remember 9-11. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of you. And I feel the same way. I definitely try to live my life every single day as a good citizen and get good human being. You know, that's just how I was raised. And like you said, Shandrea, you know, I don't feel like people really want to hurt others. You know, I feel like people care more about other people's lives rather than hurting them. And so I agree with all of you. I do feel like, you know, this is a day where it's just tragic to remember, but it's good to keep educating people and to keep remembering those, like you said, Calvin, that not only die in this situation, but also those who actually, you know, risked their lives or who died trying to save others, too. So, yeah, we remember 9-11. And I want to thank you all for being with me tonight to talk about this day to help me remember those 9-11 victims. Well, thank you all again. Join us next week on the No Sleep Show on the CWR Talk Network. See you all later next week. The CWR Talk Network is not just another talk radio network. We are a strong advocate for life empowerment, like empowering a generation that has been grossly misunderstood and disparaged to shatter the misconceptions about them. No Sleep was created to give millennials a platform to express themselves and let the world know who they really are and what they believe, their values, interests, fears, and more. This is a diverse group gender-wise and racially that we are very, very proud of. We invite you to tune in, whether you are a millennial or not, and learn from these outstanding young people. Listen every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 7 o'clock p.m. Central for No Sleep, Shattering Millennial Misconceptions.